0: Uh, good morning. Welcome to the Oasis. We're glad you all are here and that there are many of you joining us from your homes all over the world this morning as well. First Samuel chapter 17 this morning as we continue our series on David, the worshiping warrior of God. 1 Samuel 17. While you're finding that, just a reminder again about next week, in both services, 9 and 11, we will be observing the Lord's table, celebrating communion, and then thanks to our men's ministry here at the Oasis Church, between services, they will be offering ice cream treats to anyone that would like them. Uh, So uh, next Sunday, again, every Sunday is a big Sunday at the Oasis, you don't want to miss. Uh, But next Sunday is also going to be a little bit special in some regards. When we approach 1 Samuel 17, this may be the most familiar story from David's life, David and Goliath. But this is so much more than a young man slaying a giant. This is about David's heart and his heart for God. In fact, let's not forget, though, we're going back and forth between slices of David's life and the Psalms that he wrote in connection with those scenes from his life, that two weeks ago we were in 1 Samuel 16. And 1 Samuel 17, obviously, is built on 1 Samuel 16. And the main principle there was that the Lord does not look at things the way man does. Man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. Now, the reason why that's significant is because in the first 11 verses of 1 Samuel 17, Samuel spends all this time building up how impressive and how intimidating this giant Goliath is I mean this guy is anywhere between seven and a half and nine feet tall, weighed approximately four hundred and fifty to five hundred and fifty, maybe even six hundred pounds that 's a pretty big man and then Samuel goes into all the armament that he had and how impressive it was and all of his his uh, Swords and shields and spears and all, all of the military. I mean, this guy, he was built for this, right? And at this time in history, uh, the Philistines and the Israelites were sort of at a standoff. And Samuel gives us the context and paints the picture that, that they have arrayed themselves in a battle line standing across from each other with sort of a valley in between. Anyone that knows military history and military strategy knows the high ground is important. So in this case, they both assumed the high ground with the valley in between. And Samuel says, this guy's impressive. He is intimidating, right, from an external point of view. But then we're introduced in verse 12 to David. And Samuel, and obviously God, wants to provide for us a huge contrast for good reason. First of all, David was the son of Jesse from Bethlehem. And then in verse 14, we are reminded that he was but a youth. He was the youngest of all of Jesse's sons and was the smallest in stature of all of Jesse's sons. So everything about Goliath is big, impressive, and intimidating, and everything about little David is small and weak. God wants to do that, obviously, for a reason. And he's doing that also to remind us about who we are and who he is and how we fight our battles, if you will. Let's remember something. Throughout this passage, we're going to see that David was continually disregarded and dismissed, just as he was when he was anointed by Samuel in chapter 16. His own father didn't even call him in from watching the sheep because there's no way David could be God's choice to be the future king. No way. And so finally when Samuel goes through all of Jesse's sons and the Lord says, nope, not that one. Nope, not that one. Finally Samuel says, do you have any others? Because I think I got the message right from God that one of your sons I need to anoint and he's going to be the future king. And finally Jesse says, well, I do have the youngest. He's out tending the sheep. Samuel says, call him in. Because you may have disregarded him, but God saw him. You may feel like no one else sees you, that somehow you get lost in the mass of humanity. God sees you, my friend. He never takes his eye off of you. He never dismisses or disregards you. And you and I are never to define our own life, who we are, what we can accomplish, what we can achieve, what giants we can slay or not slay, based upon how we view ourselves or even how other people view ourselves, but how God views us and who our God is. And God saw in this young man, regardless of how young he was, regardless of how small in stature he was, he had a big heart, a big heart for God. And God can use that. And the same thing is true today. All God cares about is our heart and where our heart is in relationship to him and how much our heart is aligned to him and how much in our heart we believe and trust and have faith in him. That's what matters most. Remember something. Two, Goliath was groomed all his life for this. He was a soldier's soldier. David? No. He wasn't a soldier. He was a shepherd. He never was a soldier. And yet he was going to be God's choice to represent his people and to face down the giant Goliath. Because God's plan of preparation for David for this moment was different. God said... I can train him as a shepherd. I can groom him as a shepherd. I don't need him to be a lifetime soldier in order to win this fight. Because it's not going to be about him, as we've even worshipped and sung about. It's going to be about me and his faith in me and the heart that he has for me. That's what this battle is going to illustrate. Now, Part of what David was doing at this point with this sort of military standoff between the Israelites and the Philistines is besides watching the sheep, his father would employ him as sort of the supply runner that would take supplies and food up to the front lines of the battle for his own brothers because we are informed that three of his oldest brothers were part of the Israeli army at this point that was in this standoff. So Daniel... excuse me, David would entrust the sheep to someone that he trusted to watch over them, and he would take the supplies from Jesse, and he would run them up to the battle line. And you see then in verse 22 something interesting. It says David not only took the supplies, but he ran to the battlefront. While others might be avoiding the front lines of the battle, (laughs) David ran right To the front of the battle. And nothing is coincidental or just by chance with God. It just so happens that that day that he's carrying supplies to his brothers on the front lines of the battle, that it says in verse 23 just then, the champion named Goliath the Philistine was coming up from the battle lines of the Philistines, and he was doing what he always did. He was talking smack, as we say. He was mocking God and the people of God and the armies of God. He was thumbing his nose at the armies of God. In fact, you see here in verse 24 something else that's important. When David heard the words of Goliath, he was motivated by what he heard. But notice the entire Israeli army, when they saw how big Goliath was, they retreated. They were in awe of what they saw, based on chapter 16, because all they cared about And the way they made their decisions and judgments, all that, was by external appearance. And when that Goliath came out and walked into that valley to sort of represent the Philistines, whoa, they'd probably never seen a human being as big as Goliath. And they ran the other way. David wasn't impressed by what he saw, because here was a man who had a heart for God and a heart after God. And so his decisions, his determinations, his conclusions weren't based on what he saw, it was based on what he heard. Because remember something, that's the way God works. Faith comes by hearing, not by seeing. So God wants us to learn to respond to him by what we hear from him, not necessarily by what we see in front of us or all around us. That's how God wants all of us to move through life because we can get caught up even as Christians, by the things that we see rather than being primarily motivated and moved and inspired and stirred by the word of God that we hear. And even here, he wasn't hearing the word of God, but he was hearing a man who was defying his God and defying the armies of God, and that got David riled up. In fact, you see this attitude of David. In verse 26, he asks the men, first of all, what will be done for the one who strikes down this Philistine? And then notice what he says. For who is this guy that thinks he can defy the armies of the living God? We know that this has gotten under David's skin because he says this three times or references this three times in 1 Samuel 17. Look up at verse 36. This uncircumcised Philistine will be just like one of them, for he has defied the armies of the living God. And then finally, when he faces Goliath himself, he says over in verse 45, you have defied God's armies. What do we learn from David being so riled about this? Here's what we learn. That David, because he had a heart for God, was moved by the honor of his God. See, in David's mind, I don't care how big this guy is, he is dishonoring my God. And I don't like it. And I know my God doesn't need me to take up for him, but I also want others to know that he is of greatest value and importance to me. And I don't want people going around thumbing their nose at my God. And David was moved by the dishonor of his God, and in his heart, he always lived his life, for the most part, moved to honor God in all that he did. And you see that playing out here throughout his confrontation with Goliath. Well, if you come back to verse 28, once he gets to the front lines, his own brothers were like, what are you doing here? Go back and watch the sheep. See, the popular opinion, even amongst his own family, is David, you don't belong here. You're not welcome." Here. You ever been in that position before? You ever felt that way before? Like you're not welcome here, it's none of your business to be here, and yet we know this is exactly where God wants me. This is what God's called me to, this is what God is leading me to. And the important thing we have to learn here, too, is not only is David's heart moved. To honor God and by the honor of God, he has such a strong heart that he's not intimidated. He's not backing down. He's not going to be deterred in what others are saying or thinking of him. Because he basically says in reply to this in verse 29, what have I done? Can I say what I want to say? Too often, we are placed in or find ourselves in uncomfortable positions that God wants us there, but we may be the only one that wants us there. And God wants us to be so in tune with his heart and what is going on, and what he's called us to, that we don't pay attention to all the naysayers around us. Because folks, we're always going to have those in our life, whether they are the enemies of God, or even sometimes our fellow believers, or even family members who don't think it's our place to be where we are doing what we're doing. But if we know God has called us there, that should be all that matters to us. And that was true of David. Pretty strong for a young man, right? In fact, he even hears from Saul. Because in verse 32, David said to King Saul, don't let anybody be discouraged or defeated in heart is literally what the Hebrew means. That's an important point. Do you know sometimes... You and I can be defeated inwardly that it really doesn't matter then what happens outwardly because the way we act outwardly, we're just, we've already lost a battle inwardly. I can relate to that even going back to my high school days. I, I don't want to take too much time today, but my wife and I, you know, we were part of a high school that our state football or our football team won state championships almost every year, every other year. And we would have the big schools come up from the Washington, Baltimore area. And they were used to just playing in front of maybe on a good Saturday, 100, 150 people, mostly parents. And they'd come up to this little small town in Western Maryland, and they'd walk out into that stadium and see 15,000 people in a high school stadium. Can I tell you, they were defeated before they ever walked on that field. They were demoralized. That's what David's saying here. He says, I don't want my brothers and and my fellow brothers in arms, the Israeli army, I don't want them to be defeated in heart just because of what they see and what they're hearing. Notice what he says, your servant will go and fight this Philistine. I love that. Here's this young man that, first of all, his own brothers are like, what are you doing here? And then notice what Saul says to him. You aren't able. You can't do this. Look at you. Look at Goliath and look at you. There's no way you're going to win this fight. You ever had somebody in your life tell you you can't? Here's the sad thing. Maybe you've even told yourself you can't. But we need to let God be the one to define what we can and cannot do. Not others, not even ourselves. And again, I love the fact that David wasn't going to back down. David believed this was of the Lord. I don't care what he looks like. I don't care what I look like. I care about defending the honor of my God. And who is this Philistine? I don't care how big he is to be out there defying my God and dishonoring him. I want to go fight him so that we can be free from the Philistines. I also love the fact here in verse 32 that David refers to himself in front of King Saul and his associates as his servant. That also shows the kind of heart that David had. It was the heart of a servant, the heart of a servant that God shaped all those days he was watching and shepherding those sheep. Because remember, the reason why God had rejected Saul as king was because Saul wasn't much different than all the other kings of all the other nations. And God, when he chose his king, his person to be leader of his people. He didn't want a king like all the other nations. He wanted a king that had the heart of a shepherd because he didn't want this kind of a leader in charge of his people. He wanted a shepherd's heart in charge of his people. And David got that. I'm just God's servant. And I'm here to serve my God. And Saul, I'm here to serve you as the king of our people. In verse 34, another thing I want us to see this morning. David replied to Saul, listen. When I was a shepherd, your servant, verse 36, struck down both a lion and a bear. And then notice what David says in verse 37. The Lord who delivered me in the past, from the lion and the bear, will also deliver me now. This is what we need to do. Are we encouraged by God's past acts of faithfulness? In a sense, coming to the conclusion, if God was this way for me there, if God showed up big for me here, then that means God can show up big for me now. Now. That's what God wants us to do, to draw from our past victories, from the things how we've seen God move and work in our life in the past. And and that's exactly what David did. David basically said, when I was a shepherd, I had the opportunity to slay a lion and a bear that threatened my sheep. God did that. He showed up big. He allowed me, this little shepherd boy, to slay A lion and a bear. If God did that back then, then God can deliver this giant into my hands now. See, God wants us this morning, whatever battle you're going through right now, he wants you to take some time to go back through your past And to start counting the victories that God has given you in the past and the times where God showed how faithful he was and how his promises could be counted on and how you could rely on him and depend upon him and how you knew he would come through for you because that's who our God is. He's always trustworthy. And he wants you, like David, to say, if God did that for me there, then God can do this for me now. So I love what Saul said in verse 37 to David. Go, the Lord will be with you. Oh, oh, you better believe the Lord was with David. But David knew that before even Saul did. Now here's something interesting in the course of this scene. Saul... Once he decides, okay, David, you'll be our representative to go out and fight Goliath, he clothed David, verse 38 and 39, in all of his armor. And we know that Saul was a big man, not near as big as Goliath, but well over six foot tall. Can you imagine this young shepherd boy clinking around in Saul's armor? And David basically, after he puts all this stuff on, because again, even the king of Israel, Because he wasn't in tune with God, was thinking, well, the way that our little guy here is going to have any chance against the big guy is by, you know, the conventional way we do battle and and war. He's going to have to wear armor in, in order to do this, right? Can't you know, be in a gunfight and not have a gun, right? That's the way even many Christians and stuff, we we get caught up in that kind of worldly way of looking at things. But notice what David says in verse 39. I can't walk in these things, and I've not used them. Literally in the Hebrew, I've not tested or tried them. We talked about this Wednesday night out of Acts chapter 6 how that the men that they chose in Acts chapter 6 to take care of widows were, were men who were all tested. You and I, if we're going to go into battle and we know it's a battle that God wants us to go into, then you don't need to be anyone other than who you are. And you don't need to take anything into that battle that you haven't already taken, or you don't have to know anything more than what you already know. You take what you have into the battle. And if you've got God, that's all you need. Because notice David removed them. Why? Because man's armor is inferior to God's armor. I'll repeat that. Man's armor, I don't care how great it is, is inferior to God's armor. So what's David do? He goes back to what he knows. He's a shepherd. What am I going to take into my battle? I'm going to take these stones, and I'm going to take my little pouch, and I'm going to take my sling. Because that's what I've used all these years as a shepherd. That's what I'm going to take into my battle. See, Sometimes in our battles, we get intimidated and we get sort of overly in awe of whatever challenges or enemies or opposition we're facing. And we think we have to be something other than what we are. And we start trying to add all this stuff because we think I need this in order to be successful to overcome that. No, God has already prepared you and given you and me everything we need to fight the battle in that moment. Now, I'm not saying we don't continue to grow and mature in the Lord and God continues to add to our arsenal. But at that very moment, if that's what you've used in the past and that's what you've got, then you take it with you. Because as we know how God is with even feeding people with five loaves and two fish, God doesn't really need anything. But he's just looking, are you willing to give me what you have? I'll take care of the rest. And that's what David did. He trusted in what he already had and what he already knew to go into the battle with Goliath. So he gets out to the battlefield. He goes down the slope and he goes out into the valley and he sees this Philistine And the Philistine Goliath in verse 42 does the same thing that his brothers did, did the same thing that Saul did, totally dismisses him. In fact, the the language here is Goliath is insulted. It's like, are you kidding me? I'm like seven and a half, eight foot tall, 500, 600, and this is what you're sending me? This little guy here? who probably wasn't even much more than five feet tall and maybe soaking wet, 120 pounds? D- this is your represent. This is what you're sending me? He was insulted. And he says, who are you to come against me? Ah, oh, I love the heart of David. Look at his reply, verse 45. David replied to the Philistine, You're coming against me with a sword and a spear and a javelin. I'm coming against you in the name of the Lord of hosts. See, not only are man's weapons inferior to God's weapons and armor, but man's weapons are inferior to God's name. Have we lost faith in the power of God's name? David didn't feel like he needed a bunch of weapons to defeat this giant. Because he was going to go out there in the power of the name of his God. Have we lost faith in the power of his name? Proverbs tells us the name of the Lord is a strong tower. Paul tells us in Philippians that his name is above every name. Peter tells us, there's no other name by which anyone can be saved. Do you believe in the power of the name of Jesus? Because there's something about that name. And I've been in battles with all kinds of forces in my life, including demonic forces. And I have seen with my own eyes the power of of the name of Jesus. David believed in the power of his God and the power of the name of his God. And then David says, this very day the Lord's going to deliver. Today is victory day. Because David believed that one with God is a majority. Sort of what Paul says, if God is for us, who can be and stand against us? And David is claiming his victory that day before he ever takes out a stone and puts it in the sling. In his mind, this giant that stands before him, no matter how impressive and how intimidating, is gone down. He's already been defeated. God wants me to encourage some of you here today and some of you who are watching here today, you need to claim the victory that is yours through your Lord Jesus Christ. You need to say, today is my victory day over this or that or whatever it is. Whether it's things within you, things that are coming against you, it doesn't matter. Do you believe today can be your day of victory? Because David sure did. Because he wasn't impressed or intimidated by what he saw before him in that giant Goliath. He was standing in awe and wonder of his God and the power and greatness of his God. And that's why he knew today's victory day. I don't know how long some of you may be battling something. Maybe it's spiritual, maybe it's emotional, maybe it's physical, but God wants you to truly believe in your heart that today is victory day for you. And that you can leave here walking in the victory that only God can give us. David knows also that his victory is going to be a witness. That he's going to be able to testify about his God because of this victory. And God wants us to look at our victories the same way. It's not just going to benefit and bless us But it's going to be a witness to others all around us because David says all assembly in verse 47 will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's and he will deliver you into our hand. I'll come back to that in just a moment. I want to share this. The battle's that you and I are willing to fight can profit and benefit many others, not just us. That was true of David. He alone, only David, was willing to fight this battle, and yet all of Israel was blessed and benefited and profited because that one young man was willing to fight that battle. Listen, you may be in a battle right now, And you may be the only one in your family, in your company, in your neighborhood, in your church, in your small group, in your Bible study. You may be the only one willing to fight that battle, but you got to hear something. By your willingness to fight the battle like David when no one else was willing to fight it, you're not only going to achieve victory, but many others around you are going to profit and benefit from your willingness to fight that battle. You fight that battle if that's what God wants you to do. Even if you have to stand alone like David, because no one else walked out on that battlefield with him, he went alone as that young man. Because he had a heart for God. So verse 48, David quickly again ran to the battle line to attack the Philistine. He didn't wait for the giant to attack him. He took the battle to the giant. And the Bible tells us in verse 50, David prevailed over the Philistine with just the sling and the stone. How could that be? How could this small-statured, weak-physically young man Topple the giant Goliath. Back up to verse 47, because this is the verse I want you to memorize or meditate on in the week to come. And specifically, this part of the verse It is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's. Let's finish by talking about this very important phrase out of verse 47. First of all, what does this teach? This teaches us that all battles are spiritual battles. Let me repeat that, because many Christians don't get that. They think, oh, it's a physical battle. It's an emotion. No, no. All battles are spiritual battles, even the physical and emotional ones. Every battle that you and I will ever fight in life is a spiritual battle. If it's from within, if it's Without, if it's emotional, if it's physical, it still comes back around to it's a spiritual battle at its heart. And David knew that. That's why this wasn't a big deal to slay the giant Goliath because it wasn't physical against physical. He knew that God was going to show up and that he just needed to trust and have faith in his God. And God would take care of the rest. Only God, and it's only through God that victory in our life can be achieved. So if you're going through a physical battle right now or an emotional battle, and the reason you haven't brought God into the equation because you're, you know, you're reckoning, well, this is a physical thing. This is an emotional, mental struggle that I'm then you've left the most important component out of the equation, which is God. God needs to be brought into every battle that we go through, no matter what it is. Because again, at its heart, all battles are spiritual battles and can only be won in partnership with God. See, what David is saying by the famous phrase for the battle is the Lord's, he's saying, God alone determines the outcome of every battle. This wasn't David's battle, and here's why God determines the outcome of every battle in your life and my life, so that when we achieve victory through him, guess who gets the glory for it? God does. Not you or me. When we bring God into our battles, and he gives us victory, not only is it a witness, but he gets the glory for the victory instead of us. I hope today, for some of you, this has been a a light bulb moment in your life. That maybe up until this Sunday, you never realized that every battle you'll ever face in your life is spiritual in nature. And that you need God no matter what the battle is. And that it's only going to be through God that your victory is achieved. And that he alone is the one who determines the outcome of all battles in our life. It has nothing to do with how imposing or intimidating or impressive our enemy is, the challenge is, the opponent is. That has nothing to do with. And it has nothing to do with us. How feeble and fragile and weak and all that. It has everything to do with him and our heart for him and our heart that trusts in him. That's what it comes down to. And that's why the slaying of the giant Goliath is way more than a story about a young man slaying a big man. It's everything about the heart that David had. And God wants to shape and create that same heart that David had in each of us. Will you let today be your victory day? Will you finally say, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be done trying to, to win this battle on my own, by my own wit and wisdom and even my own physical and emotional strength and even gathering however, I'm, I'm just going to put it all on the Lord and, and I'm going to do what David did. I'm going to claim my victory in the power of the name of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's where our victory comes today. So I'm going to ask Nicole and our worship team to come. I'm going to ask you all to stand with me. Today's victory day, folks. And just like David said to Saul, I don't want anybody around me to already be defeated in their heart. I want them to realize that God can strengthen our heart and that because that's where defeat starts. Defeat starts in the heart and the mind even before it gets out to the physio- physical extremities. And God wants us today to give him our heart, to let him strengthen it and steal it and build it up because we're going to be facing giants in our life. Some of you are facing giants right now. And God wants us to go into those battles knowing He alone determines the outcome. I just need to trust him for my victory. Father, we thank you today that this story still resonates with us. It is still so relevant, Lord, in our lives each and every day because all of us are going to face Goliath in our life. All of us are going to face battles in our life, God, but we need to have the same heart and the same mindset and the same attitude that David had, the battles the Lord's. It's not our battle, it's God's battle. And God, we believe and we trust that there is no one or nothing that can ever defeat you. You are greater than, stronger than all of it, God. And so we're gonna look to you for our victory today. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.